0: So the only thing I would say, we have a good pace all together, all players, but it's not over. So It's only one third of the journey, so we really need to continue growing. Israel is three to four times bigger, and come on, the country is smaller than Switzerland.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Startup Stories, the podcast that brings you your weekly entrepreneurship education. And startup training by Europe's most inspiring founders. This episode brings us together with Nicola Buder and Matthias Zwingli from Digital Switzerland, an organization that comprises more than 130 leading companies, organizations, academia, and politics to achieve its mission to establish Switzerland as a leading European digital innovation hub. Working with startups is an integral part of this mission which is why I was super excited to hear they would join us for an episode of our expert series. Nicola Burr is the Managing Director of Digital Switzerland and Swiss Business Angel of the Year for 2018 and Matthias Zwingli connects startups, corporates, investors and hubs as a startup ecosystem builder. In this compact half-hour interview, we covered important questions on dealing with business angels, working with corporates and more. I'm super excited to share this first expert episode with you today. Enjoy! All right, then let's start. Welcome, Nicola and Matthias, to the to the show. We're really excited to have you here. Um, could you maybe, in a few sentences, explain what you do? and because you're a Digital Switzerland, what's the problem you're solving?
0: So, thank you first for um, inviting us today. Very nice. Um, why Digital Switzerland? It's quite simple, you know, look at um, the current fourth revolution we are having in the world. It's, it's very global. It has never been as connected as what we are living today in the world with technology and everything. The pace is extremely quick. So there is a movement worldwide, in the not digitization, it's also robotization, automation, whatever. And it's just about either you win or you lose, if I can make like that, you know? And at the end of today, it's about jobs. So you, have, you will have places in the world, hubs, it might be cities or countries, whatever, they will make the race, like Silicon Valley, uh, Israel or China so far. They will make the race means they will have millions of jobs because they are very innovative. Mm-hmm. and They are able to export their technology, whatever, all over the world because the world is global and connected. and Everything is so quick, you cannot take them over. So what we do, Digital Switzerland, what we believe is we need like to kick a bit the country to make sure we are still very innovative in the next five to 10 years to be one of the winners. It's very simple. It's about jobs. We don't want only to consume. We want jobs here, because if you have jobs, you have to uh, you have, to have more money, and you can consume more. Right? It's always the same uh, the same stuff. So this is what we do, uh, coming from the helicopter view. You know, mm. the macro element. It's about jobs, and we want innovation in the country, um, and we want to be able to export what we do here all over the world. So, and our mission is making Switzerland a leading digital innovation up worldwide. Okay. This is our mission. Um, and we have six horizontals and four verticals. We are working in the area of uh, politics, education, startup ecosystem. Mathias can say more about it after. Um, corporate and SME, population, the digital day, maybe we can say something about it later on. Um, and international visibility. We do a lot of good things in the country. We need to export it. Then we have the four verticals, um, life science, food and health, fintech and crypto, technology and infrastructure, where we're looking for big projects, ones um, to push also internationally. We have 140 members. Um, what we do, the way we work is we give impulse, we catalyst, we connect people um, and we try to really to multiply everything we are doing. Um, with a very important cross-industry because digitization is all over the place. Maybe you can give me one industry who is not uh, touched by, uh, uh, by uh, digitization, I don't know. Everyone is really somewhere digitalized, you know, it might be customer process, internal process, whatever, business model. So it's cross-industry and we connect academics, uh, corporate, SME, startups, investors, politicians, regions, cantons, etc. This is what we do we're not a federation we are a movement digitization is a movement it's not a new industry it's like everywhere so concretely
1: on a like if you look at a day in your life uh, what does that look like when you know connecting all these players together what's your job
0: concretely what do you do we Can have a events
1: or what's how, should, how, how can we imagine that?
0: With our team of uh, 15 people, we have a board of 15 more people, they are all our bosses. <laughs> <laughs> you have 15 bosses? Yes, we have 15 oh, bosses. <laughs> um, we have more than 30 projects. And um, in the verticals we have 11 working groups. So it's it's a huge, we're like a big spider. you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> we have many smaller, bigger projects. Um, and everywhere, a huge amount of stakeholders. I mean, Matthias has to do with so many stakeholders in the startup ecosystem mm. and the politician side, so many stakeholders. So, my daily job is to try to connect everything. So, it's a lot about not only connecting, it's, it's, it's kind of having the helicopter view, so always somewhere, the strategy, having the right strategy, being opportunistic, but still, still having a vision. Um, and it's a lot about um, of course, managing the team, managing the projects, managing the bosses, you know, and make sure everything is fine, we are aligned and we understand each other, and it's a lot uh, to do uh, with people, definitely. So we have 140 members, we need to manage them. So a lot of meetings, a lot of calls, I don't know, if you ask me concretely on a daily basis, I have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 calls a day, maybe. Uh, <laughs> many calls, many meetings, so quite intensive, yeah. Yeah, Matthias,
1: so you just mentioned uh, you're in the startup ecosystem. Exactly. What, I mean, that's especially interesting for our, for our listeners.
2: Yeah. What does Digital Switzerland do there? Exactly. So what are we doing in the, in the startup ecosystem? Um, I think it's two main points. One is we connect the ecosystem. Uh, we create a neutral platform where we want to address Switzerland as a whole um to reduce friction and to help interconnectivity so basically what we do is connecting startups to to corporates to investors and hubs and i can give you two examples so for example one of our flagships we are doing is is more in the business development so we connect swiss scale-ups and international scale-ups to our corporate network and but solely on business business development perspective so that's all about collaboration we do the first intro, the first matchmaking, and then they, they evolve it from there. Because I think it's um, you know quite fast in these in these worlds from corporates to startups, if there is a potential to, to work together and from there on you move you move on. So we, we bring the right people in the right place and if there's a match it continues. If there's no match, you didn't waste so time.
3: who usually starts the process? Is it like a startup coming to you and says like, hey, we need help, we need a corporate partner in this field or someone who helps us with that and then
2: you connect them? Or So we started it last year the first time um, and it was quite interesting. So it was more there. We, we, we reduced it to the verticals we, we want, We're looking at. We have corporate partners and there it was more. Who do we have? Which verticals, for example, fintech and, and uh, cybersecurity is interested in that? And then we were looking for startups in the Swiss market for the scale-up and in the international market, which could fit uh, or which it, which have a product that could fit back to the corporates. So we do the creation uh, to some extent and to search the startups who who have a potential or have a product that could match. But of course, it's not fully created. It's not, it's, it's a little bit, you see what's happening in the end mm-hmm. as well. So that is one, I would say. And another one is internationalization. So what, what I thought was interesting, the, the startup Raider came out with a very interesting number in my opinion. So they, they looked at the last 10 years, the last 10 to 15 years of the Swiss startups and how they evolved and how they grew. And so it's two, two factors. You, most of them, the biggest mortality rate was after six years and the highest growth was after, after 10 years. And if you benchmark that internationally, we are quite slow. And it's an interesting number because we have such a small domestic market, but we still struggle to, to, grow, to, grow, to, grow, to grow internationally, I would say. And that is really something we want we wanna to help to speed up. Um, it's in, if you look at Israel, they, they go a lot faster. And I think what we need to change in the mindset is that we think global from day one, but we pilot in Switzerland. But you really have to build a business, especially in the digital world, that is made for not eight million people, but eight billion people. So you think that the, the
1: one of the big reasons is just is the mindset of the founders that don't think big enough,
2: maybe? Um, both ways. I would say mm, we're Swiss. We're meme as well. We we're a little bit risk averse. I would say uh, <laughs> we. We like to prove uh, our ID first. We have super high quality startups compared internationally, but um, it's not just the startups; it's the ecosystem as well. So it's it's the hubs, it's the corporates, it's investors. Um, I think back in the day, it really worked. You could sw- you could think Swiss, and yeah, you had a great company. Nowadays, it's it's so more as Nicolas said. It's it's so interconnected. It's so global, and the digital world really helps you and makes it possible to to grow in a worldwide scale and. If you, if you can master this, if you can really be fast in this, I think we would have one of the best hubs worldwide to do it. We have to grow, we have a small domestic market. If you look at China or, or the US,
1: yeah.
2: a lot of startups there, they stay in their domestic market, and you, some made it internationally, but most of them, they still are in the US or in China. And we would have to, the whole world, we just have to learn to do it That's fast. Good. But that's, we often had that with our own startup. Like you,
3: you, actually, like if you are in the US and you work in the digital world, one example is digital marketing. You just have suddenly three hundred fifty million people with the same language, and <laughs> it's, it's big yeah. enough. It's big enough. It's big enough, right? You can actually do something with yeah. it. Like you can analyze, and you have, like, you can specify the target group and still have enough people. And if you do it in Switzerland, at some point <laughs> you end up with a hundred, an audience of hundred people, and then you just. You can stop there, right? Yeah. Or you have to go international. So I yeah. really see your point. It does no, We have
0: a disadvantage, unfair disadvantage, at uh, being in Europe. Let's face it: uh, forty languages, whatever, forty countries. Uh, that's, that's a big disadvantage in the in the current revolution phase. Let's face Absolutely. it. And we have to learn really to, to still scale. Otherwise, we just consume American and Chinese. Huh? Yeah. They are able to come to Europe easier then we go there, so, but we have to learn it quickly yeah. in the next five years. Yeah. We need some, some success, uh, definitely, mm-hmm. I think. It's always, like in the Silicon Valley, you know, the, the big companies, uh, the founders, they know we invest, you know, and they really have new ecosystem. It's coming in Switzerland. It's still small, but it's coming. Um, we are number five in Europe. I always say the same with uh, 1.2 billion, we're number five in Europe. Uh, new York is uh, half much, I think, 15 or twenty billions. Silicon Valley more, China more. So far away from the top three. Yeah. uh We we're, were number five in Europe. So better than many other countries. We have to keep the pace. Mm. Mm. Definitely.
1: If, if, we, if we look from the founder's perspective, that's someone who's starting out um, and maybe uh, you with your experience as, a, as an angel investor, um, we had a question, at what point does a startup need to raise money from a business angel? Um, and what, what does that depend on? As a business angel, what are the the startup where you said like this is the right timing for you to come raise okay.
3: money?
0: You asked me the question on a as a found, on a founder side or angel side? Can you answer both? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that would be amazing
3: if you could answer both.
0: Um, on a, you know, on a founder side I think you have two options. It's easy. Either you do it um sales finance trying to grow very low salaries, nothing, and try to grow sustainable. It will take three years, but mm-hmm. then you have all the shares or whatever. And, um, or, you, or you raise directly money as soon as you have a prototype or something. I think, I mean, if you're a second-time entrepreneur, I would say you can go and for one or two millions quite quickly without nothing, just a PowerPoint, because they will trust you. If you're a first-time entrepreneur, you need a prototype, or you need to sell very well, or you need a prototype, or first revenues, and then you can go for angels, I would say. Yeah. I see too many concepts, it's really too early, you know? And since their first time, I think they will fail. So, that's the point. On an angel side, I would say, in my case, as early as possible. (laughs) Because then it's too late. If it's too late, the valuation is too high. If you're real, it depends. You have the early stage angel and the late stage angel, you know? Then you have the VC and CVC, whatever. There are some business angels, they look a bit later. They look for a diversified portfolio, having 10, 20 investments. They are more passive because of how do you want to manage 10, 20 investments. But they look for a bit less risk, maybe. In yeah. a multiple between 5 and 10, let's say. Yeah. And these guys are rather looking for seed series 2, you know, and having a bit higher valuation, but they can sleep maybe better. Yeah. Uh, and you have some angels; they really look for to be the first one, really the first one and maybe still on the PowerPoint basis. Low valuation, very high risk, but more shares because low valuation and to be engaged. So that's more what I do. Yeah. Less, but then very engaged. What's and a, very high
1: risk what's the, what's the number low valuation what does it up to what valuation is that for, for you as a business
0: angel ok it's a good question and I think it will evolve over time um, right now uh, a good valuation is below 5 you know as, as a business angel you try to get at least multiple 10 mm. if you give so many hours and you don't get money at all you have to wait 5 to 7 years you want multiple 10 otherwise uh, it's not worth doing it and today in Switzerland, it's one of the issues we have to improve is the number of exits, the number of big exits, you know. Mm-hmm. As soon as we can go global and we can have some sort of uh, unicorns so or still half unicorn, it's still huge, you know. Yeah. Then I don't care to uh, step in at 5 or 10 or 20 even, you know. But today, if you invest in a Swiss startup, the probability he will be still half a unicorn, 500 millions, you know, mm-hmm. is very low. I don't know, maybe one or two cases. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a mindset. Also, the angels, by the way, to uh, encourage startup to go very far away, don't sell in three years, make it for seven, go co-global, and make a unicorn. Then I will step in at 10 or 20 or even 30, and you don't care. But still, we also have the mindset, this company will be 20 or 30 or 50 million exit, which is still good somewhere, Mm -hmm. then you want to step in below five otherwise yeah. you don't have your, your return mm-hmm. so that's also a bit uh, I think the angels and the VC to encourage or to take let's say the, the risk to step in maybe a bit higher mm-hmm. uh, and encourage them to go very far away mm-hmm. and very global mm-hmm. so we're also somewhere half responsible of encouraging the ecosystem all yeah. of them but I see some good, uh, some good tendencies on the market somewhere what is not okay if when a startup is coming with uh, nothing, you know, a valuation of uh, 10 millions, and you feel directly, come guys, it won't work. <laughs> or it won't be big, uh, in my opinion, uh, it won't be big. Then you say, that's, that's wrong, that's wrong. Or they, or they speak only about Switzerland and they will go global after three years. Then you know that's not going to work. So... But I hope the valuation will go, go a bit higher. In, in the U.S. or in Israel, they raise good guys, huh? second-time entrepreneurs. They can raise five to for twenty-five on PowerPoint basis. So when that's the is yeah. yeah. But that's the way to go to a hall for a unicorn somewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, you get too much diluted over time. Yeah. So that's the way to go, and we need to reach this level soon, also in Switzerland.
1: Yeah as a founder in your very early stage it's very difficult to put a value on your company how would you as a founder what what are your tips uh, there are
0: no you know there no are right so ways many, no there are so many methods discounted cash flow everything yeah. but, uh, let's face it it's there is nothing really good it's it's about selling it's about selling your dreams sorry it's i don't know maybe some guys have a better me- better method. but for me it's about selling your dreams uh, and they should believe in you. <laughs> right. uh, sorry, I mean, also, uh, with this discussion about about, um, um, about valuation is really it's impossible, it's, it's, it's a impossible. negotiation every time. And one of the ways you can do as a founder is showing a plan where is going to be the exit. Of course, it's just a plan. It will never happen like that. And showing the number of series you might need, you know, and the dilution you take into account yeah. and say, look, I want to have so much because I'm the founder and I want the company to be successful and I stay. I want to be so much diluted, you know, and so you come back and you explain why you would like to have a dilution of 20% today. For example, you know, and yeah. not 40 yeah. So And so you can negotiate. This way, as a founder side, is working quite well. And a smart business angel will understand it because the worst case when you invest is, of course, the business model doesn't work. But the second worst case is the founders stepped out. After one or two years, there is yeah. no repressment. Then your money is away. So yeah. you don't want to have him demotivated because he was too much diluted. You want to have enough shares, always, mm-hmm. but you want him to be and, and live and breathe and sleep. Uh, his company, yeah? yeah? And nothing else. So his motivation is very important. Yeah. And I think it's always a good way at looking at, okay, how high can we go? Lately, I had a case where... Uh, we really believe it can go quite high but that's a belief you know Uh, and and, but as soon as you have this belief at least you you will accept a high Yeah. so that's the process I would recommend for founders you have to show you go very high and you can really make it happen. Mm -hmm.
1: I just uh, I just talked yesterday to another founder who had couple of bad experiences, it, was our, it, it is her first startup and in her first round she had bad experiences with, with investors. What would you, or is there something you would recommend to look out for, you know, how do you recognize a good investor from a bad investor, are there any signs
0: where you as a founder would be like, that's not for me? Okay, it would be interesting to know why, definitely. I mean, but I, uh, yeah, the trust, uh, you know. So, I will, I will recommend every founder to meet each investor, which is a pain, but to meet them several times. Yeah. First simple, very simple uh, stuff to do, but not only once. Then I will recommend every founder if, to go for references, you know, because an investor can be really a pain, like, uh, <laughs> like your boss, like an employee, whatever. So why do you go for references for employees? In mm. for investors because maybe you might figure out ooh this guy is a bad guy mm. when the numbers are not good he will call you every day and put you under pressure so I will really go for references definitely
3: it's a little bit like when you get a wife or something you also call <laughs> <laughs> you should you should call in the references first I mean I, I, I did that I did that
2: <laughs> oh I forgot to do that but I'm
1: still good <laughs> yeah, very lucky <laughs>
0: very good now really go for reference Met several times go for references and do mm-hmm. workshops not only the drinking coffee but do workshops and see how we interact with you um, very simple stuff that's the first one the second one is the conditions in the contract definitely yeah. um, there are some conditions you have to be careful always the same préf. Drag along, take along, whatever, anti-dilution. There are some standards, so if you know it and you know other st you ask them and you should be careful with the conditions with business angels. Later on with VC you have no chance. Or oh, no chance. No, you it's so always about negotiation, but then you will have to to have these terms somewhere in the contract. Yeah. And with business angels you should emit common shares. I think. Uh, if you have valuation, then you do common shares and share your preferred shares, for example, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the, I will really, it really about hey, are they part of the ecosystem or not? And are they experienced with young startups or not? You know, I know some of them, they are investing and they don't realize the risk and, and they are losing their money and they are really getting so upset after. I know, guys, it's part of the game. Mm. they might be quite annoying so we look go for angels and not guys who has only invested in the stock market yeah. and who has never lost money before because they might be quite annoying yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: very valuable thank you I mean we're going through stuff like that as well and so
0: very, very very helpful <laughs> absolutely uh, and and the trust you know so if I all, all this is the way I try to do for the founders. There, there is always a lead, by the way, some other stuff. There is always a lead. You right? should look for one lead and not 10 leads. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to call with 10 guys every day. Don't go in my position with 15 boss. <laughs> 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 to go only for one. one okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, go, well, one or two maybe, but you don't want to call all of them every day. Not really. Uh, because they all have different opinions. Mm-hmm. But one, you need one. One, one or two, and they should be kind of sparring partner, you know, so the other guys you can call if you have troubles, and they will help you and they won't uh, be loud because why are you calling me? Solve your problems yourself, it should, be the, should not be their role, they should help you, supporting you, solving the, the, the issues. Yeah. So having kind of uh, very trustable angels is, uh, I think, valuable. Yeah. That's a very, I mean, it's
1: a relationship at the end. So yeah. that's going to go for years. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just break up like, with a girlfriend. No, no, it's <laughs> illiquid.
0: Uh, yeah. No one will buy the shares. No yeah. one, yeah. except you, yeah. Skyrocket. But otherwise, no one will buy the shares. So um, it's really illiquid. So it means no. you really have, you need a very trustable relationship.
2: No. No. I have a question as well. What would you say is a warning signal when you say, watch out, this is not going to work. What are warning signals to see if it, there's a, a misconception or in the negotiation in the first early stage business angel trust relationship? Uh,
0: for founders, huh? Or for yeah, the
2: founders. General. founders. For founders. Uh, some founders I
0: think if, if It's important to to speak about the the strategies, to speak about business, you know, okay, not only coffees, know each other is fine, soft skills, okay, but then I have to speak about the business, the numbers, and if you see you're not aligned and you you don't change, you know, you see, he's not going to change his mind, he doesn't understand why, and yourself as a founder, you don't change your mind, you don't listen really, then forget it, then there is a misalignment, and that's both sides, you know. I, when I ask the founders and I see they are not, they're not ready to change their mind. You know, they really have a plan fixed, then I know that's not going to work. And the same for business angels. You need to be able to understand why and change your mind. It's really important. And there are too many founders. They are so sure, so, you know, and, and that's wrong, guys. That's wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then you skip it. You yeah. skip it because, you know, three months later, not three years, Three months later you have troubles on it. Because you're not aligned. Mm-hmm. So I would really recommend go into details. Go in the numbers. I always do go into the numbers. Not only the product or whatever, go in the numbers. Why do you need these guys? Why these salaries, you know? Uh, salaries is also sometimes an issue, are mm-hmm. I mean, Salaries. No. <laughs> not when you start. <laughs> and if to see they then they don't change their mind, and you skip it. Because you know you, you will get crazy about it later, and they, and they will get crazy if they don't want to go lower with salaries. So, eh, and let's keep in case. Next yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, are really about. Yeah, it is a, like in a relationship. You know, and are you able to listen and change your mind and learn on it for yeah. both sides? Huh?
1: Yeah. I can imagine. I'm just imagining speaking to twenty investors, and everyone said, tells me to change it in a different way. Yeah, I can't change it every time. No, and and I have some thought, or we have some thought of where it should go. So I can imagine being quite tricky.
0: You need who do I trust? Who, what do I change? Yeah, and that's gut feeling. It's a gut feeling. Need one or two, that gut feeling, because you will never know. Yeah, if there are maybe better or worse. You need yeah. one or two. And best case is these guys. They go for other angels. They they say okay. I bring one million with my peers. I'm the lead investor, I might be new board, you know, and I bring some other peers and together we invest. That's the best case. Because then you have a group, you know, they are, uh, they have a solidarity, you know, there is a lead investor, they trust a lead mm-hmm. investor and you have, so one mill uh, with one lead investor. That's the best case. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not always doable. Sometimes you have 10 different guys, then again, be careful. I'll be careful. No, but yeah, if they all want to to talk to you every day, it's not good because you don't do business anymore and you get uh, 10 opinions.
3: So what what should I do as a founder? I mean, I, I, I come out and I have a plan and I go to the first business angel and I tell him what my plan is and I see he's not really aligned with my vision or whatever, how I want to do it. So I go to the next one and I do this over and over again. Or do I start to change quite early? What is, what is the normal or how do people do it? Like, do you approach 30 and always tell the same and if it doesn't work then you start to change and you start over again or is it more a, a process of like adapting? Because it's a little bit the same as if you develop a, a product yeah. or a service and you find potential customers and these don't like it, the first ones. So you might either change the business, the product or the service. Or change the customer. Or you change the target group. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Very tricky question. Uh, if you, Steve Jobs always said, if I would have asked my customers, yeah. they would have never uh, invented the iPad and iPhone. Huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never. Because they would say, come, we don't need that. So it's a very tricky question. It's, it's, uh, but I still believe somewhere you have to, Either you have the gut feeling, you're a genius. Or you still have to, uh, to listen to your customers somewhere. And if you meet 10 investors and all 10 tell you it's not going to work. Mm. And you still keep the same strategy. You're either naive or very courageous. I don't know. But as long as you don't have the first customer giving you money. It's always about money. Huh? Giving you money for a service or a product. I can tell you it's not going to work. And you can still tell me yes it will. No it's not going to work. Bring me the first one. No? Uh, yeah, and that's a tricky question. But I think there, this is iterations. You know, the lean startup model: fix it, correct it, change a bit, um, and that's not always the beginning. Always after all. And I think it's the way to go: is fix, correct, change, yeah. and again and again. Small iterations.
2: Yeah, I think what I learned as well: it's 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 all a, about assumption in a way. If you don't have the data, if you haven't tested it, it's all assumption and. One way or another, you can have, I, I think I, you should always be open for, for feed, like what their what their feedback is. But I learned to critically ask myself as well, is it really something I should take into account or not? Because I did the same thing with my first entrepreneur team. I had like 10, like I pitched that, I pitched that and had like 10 meetings. One liked it, one said it's total crap. Mm. And uh, if I always would have adapted it, I would have gone nowhere. And in the end, I, I really had to say, I had to go with my gut feeling. I said, that will be the first customer. That's the assumption I want to test. Either way we do it or we don't. And We didn't do it and then I said, yeah, it's not for me because we can get as many assumptions in as, like, there will, it will be always hypothesis. Yeah. When you don't test it, when you don't have the data, you don't know. Yeah. And I think it's similar to investors. I mean, mm. it's all hype, like they bet on something and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Maybe you're right, maybe they're wrong. So I'll um, yeah. we'll try, to, try to close in a little bit and iterate. Yeah, absolutely.
1: absolutely. Yeah. Since we jumped uh, to you, I wanted to, to also change the topic and go to corporate innovation. Yeah. Uh, Michel and I have been in corporate innovation for, for two years. You have been uh, in it as well, Matthias. What is your experience um, when it comes to the cooperation between startups and
2: corporates? Uh, it's interesting i think in a way it's two worlds um the one thing's in minimizing risk and the one thing's in maximizing risk of course that's a little bit like polar um you have you have different variations but that's a little bit the basic and what i think is super crucial is to have the same expectations um there should always be a win-win situation especially if it comes to collaboration with startups And, and that's a little bit but I think a, real, a lot of rethinking needs to happen. So if you want to work together with a startup, if you want to work together with the outside, what is the win-win situation for both for both parts? And I experienced it myself. I think it's what I always advise. A corporate can be a, an awesome customer, but it can cost you a lot of time as well if you don't do it right. And I wouldn't start too early um, because you need some It always takes a lot of time. I I think it's funny with the boot camps we started a year ago and it's still into discussion like with a lot of NDAs, what is going what is happening afterwards. So it takes a lot of time and as a young startup you don't really have that, right? You need to pivot, you need to fast you need fast customers. And I think a good friend of mine (laughs) once told me it's it's easier to do an MVP than to have a board meeting in a, in a large corporate. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, that is really, it's the unfortunate truth. Yeah. So I would say do it at the right time. Um, see, it's always a little bit the question of maturity as well on both sides. Um, are you ready for it? Is the corporate ready for it? How are the structures? I think one thing is always to look out for, do they have budget? Do they have the backing? Do they have the decision-making power? And if they don't, that will take a long time because then it, then they need a board meeting, <laughs> and that takes three months to have the year. So We have the Mola line, so um, I think it has massive potential since um, it's moving quick, and both sides are looking to to test their businesses and test their ideas. But we still we're still young in the process. The holy grail we haven't found the holy grail of corporate innovation, even though some some people tell you they have, but I, I haven't seen it. And yeah. it's a lot of testing, it's a lot of uh, experience, and I think that's a great thing, like that should be, but always think about do you have aligned expectations, do you, do you have a win-win in the back? Yeah, I mean
1: collaboration between startups and, 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 and corporates is one way of, of doing innovation in a corporate. There's also the way of, you know, there's companies wanting to build their own startups. Yeah. Um, what's your experience there and what type of person do you
2: think is best suited for such a job? Uh, it's an interesting one if you are into do to company and venture building, right? Yeah. Um, so I believe it's always interesting. If you, if you have a new idea, people normally, first thing they say is, yeah, let's build it ourselves. It's not that hard. Um, so you should really think about that. Um, it is a lot of time. It takes you a lot of time. It will take you a lot of investment. And um, yeah, do you have it? Do you have the time or do you want to be quick? So if you build it with yourself, I think it's a great way of testing ideas and, and testing markets. Um, what is you have some experience like there are some examples for um there is one of the group there is uh sparrow ventures from mero they just opened and um so what i think is crucial is that you don't limit the the spectrum so you should really leave it open you shouldn't connect it too much to your core business because otherwise you can't pivot in the way you maybe should go. So these people should be really, really like super flexible in what where they want to go and what they want to do, and you should be super open as well in how they can scale and evolve. Because otherwise it's for example there you could only work with Migro or you can then you can work with Cope, so you destroy half of the market. And so I think super independent, um, new ideas, bigger ideas, um, not always correlated to the mother house. I think that's important. The Mindset of people, um, me, myself, I started in corporate. I was, always, I was always doing my side business in a way, always trying to be entrepreneurial. So I think you need this open mindset. You need people that are flexible and that are willing to take risks. So it's a little bit, entrepreneurship, I think it's the crux is always, or the, the hardest part is always this intrinsic motivation that you're willing to, like, that you go to the limit. Because as a corporate, you always have your basic salary, you always have your security. And as a startup, you know, like either way you make it or you die. And that's not like, how can you create a situation a startup has in a corporate world? And how can you incentivize people in a corporate world? Because yeah, there's this massive risk, either way you die or you make it, but when you make it, you will be incentivized for it. And so how can you rebuild that in a a corporate? I think that's the, the crucial question. And that's what you need to do somehow, otherwise I think it's going to be a tough one to make it work.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So many familiar aspects you just talked about, there's so many struggles and (laughs) trade-offs and (laughs) challenges to solve and it's definitely not easy. Yeah.
1: So you would say, for example, as Migro, you should support internal startups that do, I don't know, something with construction or just, was that what you meant with... To keep it it open. Because I it doesn't say, fit with the, when we have the experience that then top management comes and said that's not our strategy for our company.
2: Exactly, and I think that's kind of the worst that can happen to you. Um, or not the worst, but I think that, that really limits it. I always say innovation, there is um, really disruptive innovation that is not always connected to it. And there is more supportive innovation. So supportive innovation of the status quo you already have. And I think that's what's happening in a lot of bigger companies. You, try to support your status quo, you try to support what you have. Yeah. And I think it should go beyond that, that you can have it like really open and disruptive way. I wouldn't say you should do everything. I would say you should focus. You focus on, I don't know, health, or you focus on, so you have your area, but there you should be free. Yeah. Okay, cool. I see. I see.
1: So we're uh, already at our last uh, three questions. Any of you can answer the fastest wins. No, it's just a <laughs> joke. Um, what's something crazy you believe that nobody else around you believes?
0: You want to go first, Nicola? <laughs> Switzerland is the first country going to Mars. Oh, nice. <laughs> really?
3: That's a cool belief. Uh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> uh,
0: did you call up Elon and... Secret
3: projects. Project. <laughs> <secret> project?
2: <laughs> More shots. Very
1: cool. What about you, Montez? It's a
2: good one. I don't don't have a space project, but I think we, Switzerland, we need to evolve, but I think we can have a, if I look at AI, I think back in the day it was resources. Nowadays it's data, so they always say the new oil or crude oil of, um, of the future. And I do see the position of Switzerland really similar. So back in the day, we didn't have any resources, so we started to like uh, perfectionist, like we need we the late stage of uh, what, to, what to do with the resources. And I think it can be similar in the, in the way of AI and data. So we don't have the massive data, but we can create and, and work on that one, on the perfectionism, on what to do with that data. actually, yeah. And that's, that's how I see the vision of Switzerland. I don't know if anyone else believes in it, but I think that's where I would put it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. A bit more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> you got
0: I quote, did, I did got know. <laughs> That's too evil. that's good. Uh. Cool. Is there any
1: topic that you'd like to talk about, maybe connected to Digital Switzerland, that we didn't cover with our questions that you'd like to share with uh, entrepreneurs?
0: No, I mean, not. maybe not especially for my side Digital Switzerland, but I would just would say... Um, we need more entrepreneurs, we need more angels, we need more VC's, we need more CVC's. We need, to be, we need a good solidarity in the country, all over the places. By the way, it's fantastic to see what's happening right now in Ticino, for example, or in Wallis, or in St. So It's typically Switzerland decentralized. There are huge jobs. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to fail, try again. Uh, we need a really a growing ecosystem quickly also in regards of the politicians, the new Swiss entrepreneur funds. So the only thing I would say, we have a good pace, all together, all players, but it's not over. So it's only one third of the journey. So we really need to continue growing. Israel is three to four times bigger and come on, the country is smaller than Switzerland. It's not possible. So we, we, we are one third of the end journey, there is no end, but of the journey. So we really have we need the pace, we need to
2: continue. I couldn't agree more, I think it's the same thing. We, we kind of already late in the game, so if we don't run faster than everyone else, um, we're not gonna keep up. And I think that's what we really should focus on. We, we evolve, it's great how the ecosystem grows, and I think we can do a lot faster and better. And yeah. that's what I want to focus on. Yeah, we're, we're the same. We're just doing a podcast for future entrepreneurs to, to get
1: inspired, so we're doing our small part. <laughs> what's the last book you read or blog posts or, or video you saw that you would recommend to to entrepreneurs
2: i have a good one um it's called Zurich on the Arbeit," um, <laughs> it uh i think it, it was really the best book I, I read last year a friend of mine uh like uh, told it i should read it and it explains a little bit the difficulty if you haven't worked in a corporate, it explains a little bit how it works. So, how meetings work, what's the point of that, and, and what are the struggles and the challenges you have in, in bigger corporates. And it, I think one, one, I, one thing I always get out of it or one like enlightenment I got from it is digitalization is not just about being digital, it's a lot about putting the customer back in focus. I mean, that, like I had that in university and I thought, ah, it's so basic, it's easy. But as soon as you as soon as you work in, in more like in bigger cor- like in bigger structures, you realize it's it's not that easy just to putting the customer back on the landscape. It's uh yeah it's super important and it can really be super valuable. And I think that's a little bit the misconception sometimes. Amazon is a great digital company, but after all, it really puts the customer in focus, mm. and I think that's their channeling value and digitalization is a channel after all. Well, yeah that, that, yeah, that was
0: it for me. The last one I, which is coming in mind is, is called uh, Scale-ups made in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. I think. A pretty easy one, no-brainer. It's, it's really very well written about the different stages between startups and young scale-ups and senior scale-ups up to corporate. Um, and it's all about customers, it's all about unit economics. So What I like in the book, it says very nicely and correctly, you cannot scale as as long as you don't have proven, your unit economics can scale. It's so simple stuff, but still it's very good to read it again with concrete examples. Uh, I will recommend this book to anyone. Cool.
1: Cool. Thanks. We're very avid readers, so he's an audiobook uh, listener and I'm a real book reader. Good. So we love that. That's so you have a plan doing. for the weekend
0: now. Nice. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time and, the good good. and sharing. Okay, thank you. Thank thanks, you so guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Startup Stories. Make sure to check out the show notes with additional links at nerdentrepreneurs.com slash podcast. And if you like our podcast, leave a review on iTunes. See you next Monday.